This is an Israel National Radio Hanukkah dedication to Shalom Pinchas Ben Miriam from Jerry Subar in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a Rafua Shalema now. From sons Rabbi Ruben Subar of Jerusalem, Rabbi Aaron Subar of Muncie, New York, and Yonatan and Yehudit from Grand Rapids. Get well soon, a Rafua Shalema. To make your Hanukkah dedication, you can email programming at israelnationalradio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-I-N-G at israelnationalradio.com. Shalom, 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 and welcome once again to the Noahide Nation show. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and of course, I've got my friend and colleague and cohort, Mr. Adam Penrod. Adam, how's it going today, buddy? I'm just cohorting. Just cohorting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) we got a really cool show today, folks. It's something that uh, has been kind of plaguing me, only I didn't really realize it until just recently, Uh, but I think you will find it very interesting, and it turns out that... Our friend here, Adam, uh, is uh, a bit scholarly on the subject, so we're going to be deferring to him here momentarily. But to kind of bring this on board, uh, it has to do with something that Newt Gingrich said. As you all know, we're in the midst of this presidential race, and the Republicans are having at each other, and they're going to be going up against uh, Barack Obama, and one of the news media sources, I'm not sure which one it was, but had Newt Gingrich doing an interview. And one of those questions, of course, happened to be regarding Israel. And the question had to do with how he felt, and if he were president, what would he do regarding the so-called roadmap to peace between the Palestinians and Israel? And... Newt Gingrich, in his very calm demeanor, as usual, uh, just simply stated that the Palestinians are an invented people, which, of course, brought an uproar to all of the media, and it started hitting the newspapers and the airwaves and TV and you name it, it was there. And so this has been something that it just kind of surprised me at the amount of attention that particular statement got. And so Adam and I were talking about it, and uh, unbeknownst to me, Adam is uh, pretty knowledgeable on this. So I thought, you know, this might be a good time to kind of bring this forward because I kind of feel that there may be a lot more folks out there like me who are really unaware of the story behind a statement such as this and how a guy like Newt Gingrich, a historian, could possibly make a statement like this, given everything that's going on in the world today on behalf of the Palestinians and the things they've been able to get away with. So, Adam, I think this is going to be a, a fascinating. I'm going to get the popcorn and kind of sit back and you know let you <laughs> carry the ball from here uh, because this is, you know, gosh, I certainly hope I'm not the only one who doesn't know what's going on or what has gone on. I'll, I'll feel really bad, but... You know, share with us, how does a guy like Newt Gingrich 
make a statement like this, and I know in our conversations you mentioned a couple books uh, that were written about the subject and uh, books that I hadn't read, so I'm, I'm really not studied up on this very good. I've got my own ideas and opinions about it, but that's all they are is ideas and opinions, and you seem to uh, have some uh, pretty hardcore facts based on work that you've done to, to study this out a little bit. So why don't you tell us, why don't you start off with that one book by the woman you were telling me about, Joan Peters. Uh, that might be a good place to start. There was a, yeah, there was a, there was a book, and uh, when I was a fairly newly minted Noahide all those years ago, uh, our good friend Jim Long, uh, encouraging my, my love of reading, uh, said, you know, Adam, uh, you should really read this book called... Uh, from Time Immemorial by Joan Peters, and and he said he said if you really want to know what's going on, uh, to understand the the the, the uh, Palestinian issue going on over there, and and uh, so he gave me a copy, and and I I started reading it, and I was absolutely flabbergasted. You know, let's think about this for 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 one second. If any of you do what I hope you do do, which is you read your Tanakh, you, you read your Bible. The fact of the matter is, is we know we all know that, that Jews have lived in the land of Israel. I mean, I, I assume that's why a lot of us are so supportive of uh, Eretz Sheva and why we're so supportive of uh, INR and, 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 you know, why we're, you know, stand for Israel and, and whatever else it is and, we do. And, and why we're even doing this show. Yeah, God. As a support of, of Israel, a show of support. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we all know that Israel has... Uh, you know, had a had a, a deed in, in in the land of Israel, given written by God. But uh, you know, and that's just an assumption. We just realize that. I think the problem comes in, and we hear this whole debate going on, and and some of us are led to believe that well, maybe uh, at least historically, there's a claim by uh, a certain group of of Arabs, a certain nation of Arabs, who also have a claim to the land by by virtue of the fact that they've been there. Living there for for from time immemorial, and so um, at the very least, so so Peter has actually started off her 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 book just sort of saying, you know, I started off this quest to prove that the that the Arabs had this right to the land, and she was surprised through her research to find out that it was actually the opposite, that the Jews had the right, the Jews had the evidence on their side. Now, was uh, Joan Peters, was she uh, uh, an American? Was she, she was a, British? From- I believe she was an American reporter. Okay. And um, anyway, so so basically, so what's going on? What what happened? How could, how could I mean, this idea that, that Palestine has a legitimate uh, uh, claim to Israel is so ingrained in our thinking. How could it become ingrained in our thinking? Well, you know, um, I think like like a lot of things that Israel has to contend with, her enemies are not averse to using lies to win their battles. They, they don't even really need the truth. I mean, they don't even care if it's true or not. Just if we can uh, tell a lie and we all kind of buy it, then that must be what happened because, you know, we don't like the Jewish people or something like that. Well, and you tell the lie long enough. It becomes it reality. It becomes reality, yeah. Well, and this particular lie started in the year 135 CE um, after Rome had put down the Bar Kokhba revolt and uh, out of a fit of anger and rage and, and, and being tired of having to deal with Israel because it was not a easy battle. It wasn't easy to, to overcome that. 
Um, they decided that they were going to engage in a little propaganda, which the ancient world loved to do. And we love to do it today as well. And that was to wipe Israel literally, literally off the face of the map. And this is uh, this is when they they decided they were going to they were going to call Israel and her territories um, territories that included um, uh, the Judea area, um, Galilee, and, and some of the other cities in the region that kind of nearby. They were going to call that Syria Palestine. And on the maps, we have Palestine. And so for the last, you know, uh, you know a little less than the last 2,000 years, we've been calling that area over there Palestine on our maps and in pop, pop, you know, popular media, whenever we talked about it, whether Christians or even Jews, we've been referring it to as, as Palestine. Okay, now you told me before we came on the air about uh, Rome. How does Rome fit into all of this? Well, because at the time, Rome was in Rome had conquered Israel, basically. I mean, they were they had their forces. They they sort of, you know, were near the time of, Pal- of you know, time of Palestine. We're near the time of uh, Hanukkah now. <laughs> and what, lot, what some people don't realize, how did Rome ever get a foothold in Israel to begin with? Well, it was uh, over an argument uh, within the Hasmonean family who'd sort of set up, you know, their rule as, you know, rulers of, of Israel. And they're actually from the, you know, Kohanim. And there was a, a family squabble over who had the right to, to be in charge, and they invited Rome in to, to uh, help them settle the matter. So Rome uh, sided with one part of the family and uh, eventually came to be in charge of the land as being the true uh, you know, political might behind, uh, behind everything. And, of course, Israel uh, eventually tried to fight them on a couple of different occasions that um, led to the d- destruction of the, the Second Temple by by Rome, and then eventually, um, in the uh, early part of the second century CE, uh, Rome and the Jewish people waged a, a final battle, uh, which was called the Car- the Bar Kokhba Revolt. And some of you may know that uh, Bar Kokhba was a, a Jewish leader who was a descendant of King David. And uh, Rabbi Akiva thought that he might be the Messiah, and he he, he actually thought he was the Messiah. Uh, until uh, Bakrokva had committed some sins and, and Rabbi Kiva removed himself from that position. He was uh, killed by the Romans and um, thus they were with the situation. What do they do now? They exiled the majority of the Jewish people and um, renamed the, the territory Palestinia. And uh, and that's where we sort of have this, this term Palestine. Palestine, of course, comes from referring to the Philistines who had been an ancient enemy of Israel, and that's probably exactly why. And it, it, it was an ancient enemy of Israel. Um, so it was really kind of a, a kick in the teeth is it what was, they were. It was. Well, let me slap you on a little bit to kind of rub the salt in. Right. And we have, I mean, we have uh, written extra biblical evidence of the, of the Philistine, uh, Palestinians from as far back as the, 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 the 5th century, 6th or 5th century um, uh, BCE. Um, so we... we I mean, we've known about this people. We have we we know about this people, and who better than the, the main enemies in the Tanakh, the Nach, than these Philistines? So that's why. Right. So, like you say, it's sort of a kick in the teeth for the Jewish right. people. Right. So let's fast forward to the to to the Jewish people coming back into the land. Now you have to understand 
one thing about the story of Israel, and that is is that you know God promises part of his his warning in the Torah about Israel not keeping the commandments that when he exiled them from the land that the land would stop giving its its strength its support to the Jewish people, and it would remain that way it would remain desolate until the Jewish people came back into the land and um, that 's exactly what happened for the last two thousand years israel's basically been desolate. And uh, we've had various people travel through the land and, and give reports on uh, what the status of the land, who's there, um, and whatnot. We've had a person named Rolande, I believe, was a a writer who toured the land, and he actually uh, had had written uh, a book in Latin about his journeys. And uh, he uh, he talked about the desolation. He also talked about the population. Hmm. Who was living in, in Israel? Well, the majority of people living in Israel in his time, and this is the 17th century, early 17th century, were mostly Christians and Jews. Mostly, And you, you had, yes, you had Muslims. Now, remember, Islam doesn't become a, a religion until, I think, 644, and then goes on a, a series of, uh, of conquests and whatnot, not soon after that. Initially led by Muhammad and then led by other leaders after Muhammad dies. So we're talking the seventh century before Islam even becomes a a religion. Now you had mentioned something to me again before we came on the air uh, about it used to be that a Palestinian was actually a Jew. The Jews were actually Palestinians, and yeah. I yeah. Just, it just hit me so hard that I, I was almost speechless. And you're telling me there's people even alive today that have birth certificates who are Jews that it actually says on their birth certificates they're Palestinians. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was that long ago that this kind of thing actually occurred. Sure. And and so really, uh, here again, you know, when asking the question uh, about Newt Gingrich, how can he make a statement about it being uh, an invented people? Oh, we have Jews. How can Jews be the enemy of themselves in the in the sense that we're talking about Palestinians versus Jews, roadmap to peep, peace, all of that, it it doesn't make sense. You know, uh, I once used to do a, a Bible study with a, a Calvinist, and in the course of the, the Bible study, the, the Calvinist asked me, well, "What are you getting out of this? Why do you want to? Why why are we doing this study? Right? It was his <laughs> idea to begin with, but then we were doing this study. Why why are you continuing? Don't you realize that my faith is stronger than your facts?" <laughs> Well, this is the situation with you know with the, the the Jewish nations in regard. I mean, I'm sorry, the the non-Jewish nations, the Gentile nations in regard to Israel, which is our anti-Semitism is stronger than your facts. Right. You know, this is this is what everybody knows. This is a lie. I mean, everybody who who's done any research on this thing knows this is a, is a lie. Gingrich isn't really saying anything. He didn't really say anything that people was a shock. I mean, for people who've read, you know, done, done some reading on on the history of Israel and all that. It's there. I mean, the evidence is there. You just say, you, you, it takes very little effort right. to you know to, to to find the the evidence. And um, but the world knows it's a, a lie. But it's a lie they they insist on because you know quite frankly they they don't want Jews in Israel. So the fact of the matter is is that there has never been. I mean, since the Philistines, the Philistines disappeared a long time ago. They're one of these dead cultures, right? And. The fact of the matter is, so who who are these Palestinians? Well, the Palestinians are various Muslims, and what I was what I was getting to with this kind of overview of it was that the Ottoman Empire. Okay, I'm sorry. 
let me go back to the fact that first I wanted to make the point there, that there were actually more Christians and Jews than Muslims. Okay, majority yeah. of people who are majority of Muslims who lived in the Israel area were, were mostly Bedouins, transitory people, migratory people who would live you know there for a little while according to the seasons and, and whatever. Very small population. You know, Jerusalem at one point had a uh, during the Middle Ages had a population of about five thousand people. Vast majority of them were were, were Jews and Christians. Hmm. It wasn't until the uh, late nineteenth century mid to late 19th century, when Jews, after nearly 2,000 years of pogroms and massacres and blood libels and all this, started saying, you know, with you had the emergence of nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Jews said, you know, we need our nation. We need a place where we can be safe, where we can live and be Jews, whatever that means, whether it means God or doesn't mean God. And so so they, they started moving. They started migrating and building it there no there was already a jewish presence it was already at one time the majority of people living there they were there more jews oftentimes than christians and, and muslims combined right but they were growing they were going there because where else did they have to go they've been kicked out of pretty much every country that they had ever lived in right you know spain france you know in 1492 columbus sailed the ocean blue and Spain kicked out the Jews too. I mean, that's just, that, that year, fourteen ninety two, same year that Spain got rid of its Jews. Well, that was one of the times they got rid of their Jews. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so so back to all this. So so Jews started migrating into the land, and um, well, the Ottoman Empire, who was in charge of the land at the time, uh, started moving Arabs in to sort of counter the emerging Jewish population, which was, was which was growing quite a bit. Why? Well, you, we don't want Jews really being in charge of that that territory. That you know, that's Muslim. Muslim territory. Right. So then you have, starting in probably the 20s or so, a propaganda campaign. Because after World War One, the Ottoman Empire is no more. And the League of Nations gave a Great Britain, was called the, the British Mandate, which was they were given um, sort of temporary protective control over the land of Israel. And at that time, Israel was combined. It was basically the combination of, of today's Israel and Jordan. All that territory, according to the Balfour Declaration, was supposed to actually belong to the Jewish people, and they were going to make a state out of that territory. So what happens? Well, there is a... The British people made certain political commitments to Israel, but they also made certain political commitments to Muslims. How could Britain do this? Well, this was their... This was this was British politics. I mean, <laughs> think about it. You know... The, the British Empire is this little tiny island. How do they have an empire? How are they just squashed by everybody? Well, because they were very they were very adept at politics, and they realized if they took their enemies and their allies, and they had them fighting with each other, and they came in to save the day or broker peace or to, you know, or, or even just sat back and watched, that they would be killing the ability of these allies and enemies from uh, getting stronger themselves to actually overthrowing their empire. So this is politics. This is how, this is British politics. So um, <laughs> nothing seems to have changed. No, Blame no, both sides of the fence. Uh, I mean, it, it's common in a lot of politics <laughs> right. for a lot of people. So anyway, so you have these two different types of commitments. So this is why the proposal for this dilemma was, you know, we have commitments to the Muslims. We have commitments to the Jews now. How about a two-state solution? How about if we have a Jewish state and we have a Muslim state? So out of that, we have the creation of the Transjordan Kingdom and the State of Israel. 
So the two-state solution was Jordan, Jordan, and Israel, and Israel. Interesting. <laughs> and I mean, you know, look, Jordan's only on its, I believe, just a second king. I don't think there's been a third king yet. There might be three kings. Might have been his father. The fact of the matter is, is that Jordan was supposed to be the solution to this intentional dilemma that Great Britain created. You know, fast forward, and we have uh, we have the Palestinian Liberation Organization. We have Yasser Arafat, an Egyptian, who starts this group to liberate Palestine. They took on the mantle of now we're going we're going to call this loose confederation of different tribes of Arabs. We're going to be the Palestinian people, and we're going to liberate this Palestine that the Romans redubbed the land of Israel right. back in one thirty five, and we're going to. You know, this is this is going to be our land, and we're going to to to, to uh, put forth this lie and try to get everybody to agree with us. And people have bought into that. And interestingly enough, Rome really doesn't exist anymore either. If it weren't for the church, as it were, Rome wouldn't exist. the The ideology of Rome exists, as far as you said, like the church and, and right. various things like right. that. But um, the, the the nation, the empire, the Roman Empire, that certainly doesn't exist anymore. Really, so this whole idea of it being a conquered land and in possession of or by uh, Rome should be out the window now. Or in fact, a long time ago, actually. Sure, I mean, it was a lot of its history since the Jews were expelled was it was it was um, you know for a time it was it was ruled by the Greeks, right, right, and then it was ruled by. Um, uh, eventually, the uh, the Ottoman Empire. I mean, I'm sorry, the Greeks, and then of course Rome, and and, and eventually the the Ottoman Empire. So it's you know, but but here's the here's the interesting. Should I should I save this for after the break? Um, maybe we should. We're kind of getting close, but I'm finding this, and I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners are finding this uh, fascinating because to think that there's a people that can cause the amount of damage and strife in the world, quite literally. It's not just Palestinians versus uh, Israel. Think of all the the news media around the world in in all these various countries that have taken the sides of the Palestinians. And unjustly, and they've just done such damage uh, to Israel, to the Jewish people, uh, the reputation, to their Torah, to so many things that, you know, I never, I never even really paid that much attention to it until just recently, the the devastation. I mean, it's had a lot of impact on me over the years, ever since I became a Noahide, but it's never hit me like it has with that statement by Newt Gingrich that they're an invented people. It just like sh- struck me as, as like I kind of knew that, but I really didn't know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, it was shocking. Yeah. And sitting some here, people. yeah. And sitting here listening to you, you know, talk about the, the historical aspects of all of this. It's, you know, the picture is becoming very clear that there shouldn't even be a roadmap to peace. Peace should exist. And it should be with all the Jews living in Israel. Sure, absolutely. So I think, yeah, uh, I I appreciate you holding that thought because I know you're just, you had that look in your eye that I'm really going to get going here. (laughs) So, folks, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We've hit the bottom of the hour. We appreciate you sticking around with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the other side. See you soon. Be a Hanukkah light to the world. 
California is an Israel National Radio listener. He's also one of our Hanukkah lights, and he'd like to give a blessing to the IDF. Dear soldiers of Israel, I'm sending this message out that there is someone here that believes in all of you, the brave and courageous of Israel. Thank you, soldiers of Israel, for your choice in loving your people, in believing in your land, and fulfilling life through living Israel. God was, is, and will always be with you. Never forget that. Never. Happy Hanukkah. This is an Israel National Radio Hanukkah dedication. A full and speedy recovery for Tiffany Marie Valdez. This is a blessing from your father, Allison, Rachel, and Nathan, from the Valdez family in Boston. Israel National Radio wishes Tiffany a Rufua Shalema. If you would like to make a Hanukkah dedication, email programming at israelnationalradio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-I-N-G at israelnationalradio.com. Welcome back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around, and good to see you on the other side of the Noahide Nation show. We've got uh, George Brock coming up here once again, and uh, he's uh, prepared another excellent teaching, so I'm looking forward to that. But I am also looking forward to hopefully getting kind of a wrap-up on this whole Palestinians are an invented people. So, Adam, take it away. Well, you know, one of the interesting uh, points I read, and you know, reading various, you know, since since Gingrich has made his statement, there have been a lot of people writing furiously, analyzing his statement, and either supporting it or coming against it. Uh, analyzing may be a, a stretch, right. I, I, right? Right, They've definitely been writing and usually against it. <laughs> yes, very much. But those who come up, uh, yeah, for there was one person I forget the name of the, the author, but um, had actually made a point that I thought was pretty interesting about all this. Okay, at the end of the day, we have an argument over history. We we have birth certificates like we've talked about. But, you know, is there anything that we can really consider as being just sort of like an in-your-face evidence? <laughs> I think it's all in-your-face evidence. But, but here even more. Well, let's think about this. Is Israel the only country that has Muslims in it? Is it the only place with Muslims in it? Obviously not. No, there are lots of other countries that have Muslims in it. Let's take Spain, for example, right? So Spain is is a is a uh, Muslim uh, uh, conquered territory, you know. What do you do once you conquer a place? Well, you put up your symbols. You tell everybody know that you're in charge. Say, look how great we are. <laughs> These are this is our monumental architecture. Right. This is who we are. This is what this is our religious symbols, you know. And you build stuff and you write stuff and you create a you change the culture of the territory that you're in and right. conform it to you know who you are. And this stuff is all over Spain. You know, there's no, there's no question about the fact that the Muslims have been there and the Muslims have conquered and, 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 and whatnot. Oddly enough, though, when you come to Israel, you don't find this stuff so much in Israel. Even though we know that there was an Ottoman presence there for all this time, you don't really find this monumental architecture. You don't find all this, this, this stuff that's been built, you know. Right, right. The, the fact of the matter is, I think it just kind of shows you how important Israel was to the Muslim world. They could care less. That's really their, that's been their attitude about it. Ever since Islam became a religion, right? right. Who we could care less about it. It's, it's a, it's a great military point because this is where this is sort of like the bridge to, you know, various different areas all over the world. And, and for military purposes, it's certainly worth, worth being in charge of it, but not developing it, not 
you know, creating a great empire, you know, a great center there or anything like that. So we could care less about it. And therefore, the, the, the stamp of a Palestinian people doesn't exist. Not even the stamp of Muslims really exist in in the land of Israel. Well, you, you've got, you know, you have little things here. You have, for example, the Dome of the Rock, which everybody probably will think of immediately. Which right. Is, but uh, that's not a very old building, not at all. And you just don't have what you have in Spain. You don't have in Israel. And it's because they just didn't really care about the land of Israel. Well, and there's always this discussion as part of this roadmap to uh, split Jerusalem. And it's been interesting because the Koran doesn't even have the name Jerusalem in it. Right. I mean, it's like for such a great and powerful holy place for Islam, it's not even mentioned one time in their Koran, their holy book. How can this be? Right. Whereas you have the prayers of the Jewish people. You know, you have three times a day, you know, Jews, right. <laughs> Jews asking for the rebuilding of the, te- uh, you know, the temple and, 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 you know, going to Zion, you know, bringing back, you know, Jerusalem, bringing us to Jerusalem. And, and uh, you know, I mean, this is certainly the focal point of, of Jewish prayer, you know. But actually, this is prophecy. The fact that the fact that we're trying to, to, to divide Jerusalem. Is prophecy that you know we're told that that Drew, that Jerusalem would become a burdensome stone for the nations. They'd fight over it, and that they would fight what to do with it, and all that. And that's exactly what's going on today. So anyway, that's your history lesson, Ray. That's that's kind of <laughs> that's 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 you know the, the history of Palestine standing on one foot, basically. Well, it's really you know when you think about it, it's a made-up history in a way. I mean, because Palestine shouldn't even exist. Though anyone who conquers anyone has the right to change it to anything they want to change it to, not just structurally, but uh, also uh, the, you know the names of of the state, of the cities, of of everything. Sure. So I guess to yeah. a degree it exists, but in terms of modern day, there's no reason to, to have a roadmap to peace because. There is no true Palestinian people, as it were, and, and when they first came on the scene, they were Jews. Look, the fact of the matter <laughs> is, is that the the Arab peoples who are calling themselves Palestinians are not Palestinians. They've had chances to uh, live in other places. I mean, Israel's surrounded by Muslim countries. What's the problem? The problem is, again, it's you know our anti-Semitism is stronger than your. Than your facts. We we hate <laughs> Israel. We want you gone. This is our land. Yeah, it's getting stronger with each passing day. Well, Adam, listen, we need some time to get George in here to do his teaching. Uh, thanks for the history lesson. It was outstanding. Folks, if you have any comments, uh, anything to say about it, just give us a, shoot us an email at noahide at israelnationalradio.com, and we'll catch you on the other side of uh, George's teaching. Sounds great. See you soon. It's good to have everyone here today. My name is George Brock. Our reader today is Jack McCarter. We're Noahides, and we've been talking about how how, how we are to witness to uh, other fellow uh, Gentiles who are not Noahides. We said the first step is to get them to become receivers. And what is it that they receive? They receive the light. And in order to receive the light, we said that they have to make space for the light, and that means that they have to come with an open mind. When one receives the light, one will be receiving the nature of the light, and the, the nature of the, the light is the desire to share the good. So eventually that 
desire to share the good light will also shatter the vessel to receive for self alone and cause them to receive only to want to share. That's when you can tell when they've got it. All right. The second step we find is in sanctifying time. This is what God told the Jews to do when they left uh, Egypt, and he also told them to sanctify time on Rosh Hashanah. When we talk about sanctifying time, we're talking about reality. And spiritual reality is what was, what is, and what will be. Because in the spiritual realm, there is no time. But physical reality is what is. It's a moment-by-moment thing. If one lives in the past, one will rob their present. If one lives in the future, one is living an illusion because it hasn't happened. It's, but one, when one lives in the present, one is living in reality. Reality is what is. And it's the constant battle from within and without of uh, good and evil. And it compares to the attack of the serpent, which is our, attacking our intellect, the lion, which attacks our emotions, and the wolf, which attacks our desires. So we're going to look at an example. Every single thing that takes place moment to moment will be uh, either an opportunity to do good or an opportunity to do evil with our thoughts, our words, and our actions because that's that's what reality is. It's what you're thinking, it's what you're saying, and it's what you're doing. We'll take an example if... if, uh, Say the the bite of the serpent, which attacks our intellect. All right. These are illusions uh, because an illusion will try to separate or divide. This is what an illusion does. It will divide or separate. And uh, the antidote for an illusion is the Torah. The Torah unites. It's the unity of his oneness. So when something tries to separate God's oneness, this is called an illusion. It may seem like it's real, but it's not real. It's like uh, religion. When I was uh, going to school, there was 250 denominations. Now there's 5,000 denominations. <clears throat> All you have to have is two disgruntled people and a cup of coffee, and you got another religion. Whereas the Torah, even though there's Orthodox, conservative, and Reformed Jews, they all are bound by one thing, the Torah, because the Torah unites. But religion divides because it's an illusion. Anything outside of Torah is an illusion. And it tries to separate or divide God from God. All right. Another example would be our emotions. Your emotions are the words that you have that come out of your heart. Okay, the attack of the lion is Lashon Hurrah. This is where we use verbal abuse for ourselves or others. The counter to that is blessing and thanksgiving. Offer a blessing for the things that affect your senses and not words of Lashon Hurrah. When you're talking of others, if you've been cursing others with your words, start blessing them. That's the antidote. Third is kindness. Kindness is righteous deeds. And uh, this is also uh, justice. And this the attack in, with uh, the wolf is, our lust, is lustful desires, which are desires. And this is physical desires, and this is physical. We're talking about physical abuses. Well, the the counter or the antidote to physical abuses, of course, would be courts of justice. And uh, as far as verbal or the desires itself, 
the uh, counter would be your needs. You need Torah service and kindness. All right. Now, the problem comes in with extremists. It's not what an extremist believes that's the problem. It's what the extremist thinks, says, and does to those who do not believe that they, the way that they believe that makes them so dangerous. But we always have, from moment to moment, our yes and our no. Next, we're going to talk about our Noahide teaching, and uh, we're going to ask Jack to read uh, Exodus 8, 21, 22. Before we do, we'll also say the blessing over the Torah. Blessed be Hashem, the Blessed One. Blessed is Hashem, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Blessed are you, Adonai, God, King of the universe, who selected Israel from all the peoples and gave them your Torah truth to be a light to the Gentiles. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Exodus 8, 21 and 22. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, bring offerings to your God in the land. Moses said, It is not proper to do so, for we will offer the deity of Egypt to Hashem our God. Behold, if we were to slaughter the deity of Egypt in their sight, will they not stone us? Okay. Now, <clears throat> what this seems to be saying is that, that the deity of Egypt is the lamb. So, you know, why does Rashi say that four-fifths of the Jewish people were killed during the plague of the darkness of Egypt? Well, the answer, of course, is that the Jews were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And during that time, many Jews adopted the Egyptian beliefs. They wouldn't give up the worship of the Lamb. So, our food for thought. The purpose of holding the Lamb publicly was to denounce the idolatry in the face of the adulterers. Now, there's some terms that we use here. And one of them is the Shabbat. And we're going to see now why the Shabbat is so important. On Shabbat, one is to conduct themselves as if he was enslaved and he was set free and he can worship God. And that's what it should feel like, Shabbat. We're free from the weak struggles and it's time we can serve Hashem. Now, the Sabbath says to remember two things. One is creation. This is where God hid himself. And then Sinai, or the Exodus, is where they are going to find where God reveals himself. Okay, and it also we also have Egypt, which is a type of the world. All of this becomes very important as we continue in as, as what the, the problems of Noahides. Noahides also were born in the world, or a type of Egypt. We were born into idol worship. Worshipping some form of creation as the creator. Separating God, rejecting the unity of his oneness. If it wasn't for the Torah and the Jews, we would still be separated from God. If one is not moving toward Torah, one is not experiencing Passover, but is still in the darkness of Egypt. That becomes very important. You are in darkness, in the world of darkness. The redemption from Egypt and the future redemption are comparable in many ways, except in the future it will be even greater. Okay, on our untying the knots, where we are trying to retain uh, and uh, redeem the goodness that's in evil and uh, that's in darkness. What we're trying to do is bring out the spiritual truth that's in 
that is in Klippa. It is trying to come out of darkness. Uh, I used to believe Jesus was the Passover lamb. As we read in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye, ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Okay, so the New Testament says that, that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Well, I couldn't understand why the Jews wouldn't worship Jesus as the Passover lamb. And then when I went back to, to Exodus 8.22, again here we read, Thereupon Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. Okay, and 22 said, Moses said, It is not proper to do so, for we will offer the deity of Egypt to Hashem our God. Behold, if we were to slaughter the deity of Egypt in their sight, will they not stone us? Okay, when I saw this, that the lamb was the deity of Egypt, to accept the teaching of the lamb, to accept the teachings of Jesus as the lamb is to assimilate with, into paganism and to deny the unity of God's oneness. Our food for thought. So I further started studying, and I see Mark 14 and verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. Okay, now, I was taught that Jesus was God. If Jesus is God, how could his will be different from the Father's will if they're the same thing? And then... I uh, concluded my thinking here on uh, the Christian way of thinking with John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. All right. This became very important. How could Jesus be the Messiah? To... You know, how, how could this take place? It, it says that Jesus died for our sins here. If Jesus died for the sins of the world, then how could his kingdom not be of this world if he's dying for the sins of the world? It just doesn't make any sense. It's just the opposite of what he's saying. Well, then I realized that the Torah has the answer because the Torah is the antidote. As we look at Psalms 146 and verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Okay, and then I saw in Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Well, you know, in the Christian teachings, Jesus is called the Son of Man. And the Torah plainly says there is no, there is no salvation in the Son of Man. Then, you know, how about life? How, do we, how does one receive life and blessings? And Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15 through 19 says, Behold, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil, inasmuch as I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to observe His commandments, His statutes and His ordinances, so that you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are coming to take possession of it. But if your heart deviates and you do not listen, and you will be drawn astray, and you will prostrate yourself to other deities and serve them, I declare to you this day that you will surely perish, 
and that you will not live long days on the land to which you are crossing the Jordan to come and take possession thereof. This day I call upon heaven and the earth as witnesses that I have warned you. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. You shall choose life so that you and your offspring will live. Okay. So one is, if one wants life and blessings, it's simple. One must love God and fear God. Stay within the boundaries and keep the commandments. God is not a man. So Jesus is not God. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty nine. And also, the strength of Israel will neither lie nor repent, for he is not a man to repent. All right. The scriptures plainly say that God was not a man. Therefore, Jesus could not be God. And it also says that he will not repent here, which means turn and go the other way and become a man. So, what atones for sins? Let's read Ezekiel eighteen twenty-one and 22. And if the wicked man repent of all his sins that he hath committed, and he keeps all my laws and executes justice and righteousness... He shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he had committed shall not be remembered regarding him. Through his righteousness that he has done, he shall live. God has always wanted obedience rather than sacrifice. But we see here that God accepts the repentance, a repentant heart when one confesses before God his sins. A young Christian told me, I was telling him that, hey, it's repentance. And he said, no, it has to be Jesus and his his blood. And I said, well, what do you do now when you sin? And he says, well, I ask God to forgive me. And I said, well, that's what you do before. Why would you need Jesus to die for your sins? And he said, well, God can do anything, and he can put the sins upon Jesus. And I said, if God can do anything... Could he not also have redemption without putting the blood of Jesus and having him to die for your sins? Could he not just allow you to repent and change your way and become obedient? Well, that's our teaching for today. Let us close out the Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has chosen Israel to teach us that Torah truth and implanted eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Well, George and Jack, thanks so much for that excellent, excellent teaching. Uh, Adam, this has been a, a really a fantastic hour. I mean, there's been a, a lot that's been discussed here, especially in you know the first half. I mean, George's teaching goes, goes without saying was outstanding. But this whole thing about Israel and the Palestinians and the Palestinian state, uh, I just find that absolutely fascinating. And, you know, even after we were done, I still felt like, man, there's just so much more to this that we could probably just dedicate multiple shows yeah, to we this could do kind that. of thing, which we're not going to do, by the way. But oh. it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how many people would really be interested in hey, it. Right, and if you're but, interested, I'm, I'm game for it. Yeah, well, let's see, let's see how it goes. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we appreciate all of you folks being with us. Uh, it was a great show. We're glad to have you on board with us. And we certainly hope you join us next week. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And I know that Adam is too. He's giving me that look that he can't, he can't wait to next week. So, right. folks, you be good. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.
Happy Hanukkah and be a Hanukkah light to the world. Shalom, this is Feng Yu Liang. Please say a blessing for me on Israel National Radio that I will get married soon. Toda Rabbah. Shalom. Feng Yu from Southern California is an Israel National Radio listener and one of our Hanukkah lights. Blessings to you, Feng Yu, and a happy Hanukkah. And may you find and marry that special one that you're looking for. Happy Hanukkah.